This is the Port Side Pod, the official podcast of the Stockton Ports. I'm the voice of the Ports, Alex Jensen, and on today's episode, longtime official scorer Paul Meiskins joins us to tell some stories of days at Billy Hebert Field, discuss the ins and outs of being the official scorer, and much more. During these trying times, Chase Chevrolet is still open and here to serve you. With their Easy Pass service, you can shop online and have your new pre-owned vehicle delivered right to your door. Learn more at chasechevrolet.com slash easypass. He is currently the official scorer for the Stockton Ports over at Banner Island Ballpark. I'm sure you've seen him around. He's been around a long time. He's Paul Meiskins. Uh, Paul, thanks for joining me, first of all. I, I know you've been... Uh, Banner Island Ballpark is like home, man. I, I don't know what, like, what are you doing without being able to go to the ballpark? Yeah, you know, uh, thanks for having me. You know, I, I mentioned, yeah, I'm glad to join you. It's, it's, you know, I'm used to spending the summer at the ballpark. And so, uh, you know, without the season going on right now, it's kind of a, it's a weird time. Of course, it's, you know, it's a weird time for everyone. And, uh, you know, I certainly wish I was at the ballpark. I know we'd be probably complaining that it's, 100 plus degrees right now but uh we definitely i think both would would love to be there at the ballpark right now i was just gonna say i mean days kind of blend into days to a certain extent right now and today it's so hot you, you want to find a way to get out of the house but it's like you leave your house you told me you go into the post office earlier then it's time to get back inside yeah you know it, you know kind of stuck at home not doing much and uh you know it's like you know, I don't go out much other than post office or, you know, the grocery store. I mean, you know, kind of needed to stay home. And, uh, you know, today I walked outside and I was like, oh, this, uh, <laughs> I don't really mind being inside today. You know, it's, uh, you know, the first kind of 100 degree day here in Stockton. That it's been for quite some time. So you, you have been taken in some of the KBO, the Korean Baseball Association, or the Kore- Korean Baseball Organization, I guess it is. I, I mean, I started the first couple of days. I know a lot of people are, you know, choosing their favorite teams. You got the NC Dinos. You got uh, our buddy Dan Straley's pitching for the Lotte Giants right now. Uh, you have become a fan of the KBO, right, during the, the current, you know, hiatus of baseball in, in the States? I have. And, you know, it's funny. Uh, me and, 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 you know, former sports broadcaster Zach Bayrudi kind of often would, would text about the KBO actually last season because – you know, Seth Frankoff, who was a former port, played in the KBO last year. And, uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, late nights, you're, you're still up and you kind of catch, catch some of the baseball and follow it. And, you know, it's kind of just been nice to watch live sports. In fact, Straley pitched uh, last night for the Lotte Giants. They're actually on ESPN at 2.30 in the morning. And uh, I was up still, you know, the my schedule is definitely kind of off, you know, not the, the normal sleeping schedule. And, uh, you know, he, he pitched, uh, I want to say he pitched seven shutout innings last night. So, uh, you know, it, it's nice to watch live sports, you, you know, whether it's the KBO or, uh, as I mentioned, you, you know, this morning I watched some, some German Bundesliga soccer. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's nice to just watch some live sports. And, uh, you know, the KBO, it, it's not quite Major League Baseball, but, uh, you know, some of those guys are pretty good and, uh, you know, it's still baseball. Well, it's fun when you see names like Dan Straley and Seth Frankoff, you know, names that you recognize, name, names that you've seen up close and personal in the Cal League at Banner Island Ballpark playing now on TV when everyone here is, is starved for some kind of live sports. You and me starved for baseball, certainly. 
uh, that that kind of hits home a little bit, I'm sure. Yeah, and uh, you know, there's there's a couple other guys. Um, I think Alcantara. Uh, oh, Alcantara, yeah, yeah. Is also a starting pitcher in the league, and so you know, there's a lot of names in that league. You, you don't really know where you're like, oh man, that's where that guy ended up, you know. <laughs> and then there's a lot of names where just you know, there's a lot of players, of course, you know, that you, you don't know, but there's a few that you, you recognize, and uh, you know, it's 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 weird to see. You know the 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 games being played in the in the empty stadiums, but then you know they've got the you know the cheerleaders and the mascots still dancing on the dugout, and you know it's at the end of the day it's it's live sports, it's it's entertainment, and uh, you mm-hmm. know it's just to watch. I've really enjoyed the bat flips in the KBO, the ones that I've gotten to see on Twitter or, or wherever. I I feel like there hasn't been as many as as normal, I, you know, and I, I wonder how much of that is you know. Those guys, you know, it, normally it's such a, you know, a crazy atmosphere. It's kind of, I don't know, college football-like maybe, or I don't know. It's not your typical baseball crowd. Maybe, maybe a Oakland, you know, Oakland right field bleachers everywhere kind of atmosphere. You know, it maybe helps lead to some of those guys in the bat flips. But, uh, you know, I haven't seen as many this year when I've been watching, but I, I know when they have been, they've, uh, you know, those are quick to, to be all over social media. I love it, man. Where, where do you find I me? Mean, I- I don't love anything too over the top. You know, I'm not sure. Like, if I hit a home run in O'Dowder, I don't think I would, like, throw my bat way in the air or, or flip it or anything like that. But where do you fall on the, on the whole bat flip debate? I don't mind it. I mean, I think it just depends on the moment. You know, you know, sure. guy bat flipping and it's now 10 to 1. You, you know, like, come on, let's move on. You know, it's like, like a, Ho- a Jose Bautista bat flip in the ALDS a few years ago. Right. Yeah, I don't I mean, have any problem with that. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're talking big moments, big games. I, I don't have any problem with emotion, you know, when it's in certain circumstances, you know, it'd be like, you know, don't celebrate a, a slam dunk when you're still down 30 points, you know, or you scored a touchdown to make it a t- three score game, you know, like I don't mind celebrating. I, I you know, I think that's just part of the fun of sports. The uh, Nippon Professional Baseball, the Japanese league, will be starting. I think it's in June. And from everything I've seen, uh, that league is almost like a rung between AAA and the majors, whereas the KBO is between, I think it was, I think it's right around the AA. KBO is right around AA. So when, when Japanese baseball starts, Paul, will you be partaking in Japanese baseball? I mean. If there's no baseball here. I, I probably will. I mean, if it's, if it's on TV and it's live sports, I mean, I don't know what time abouts they'd be playing, but I mean, there's not much else competition. I mean, I don't know if you, you checked out any of the golf on Sunday, the, I the match, yeah. but I, mean, I watched that for hours and I would never watch golf in a normal circumstance, but it was, you know, it's kind of, you know, it was still golf, but you know, you had the interactions and you know, it was just, it's a nice, you know, sports for so many are, you know, it's a nice break from things, you know, and uh, especially now. Now you've been with the ports for a lot of people don't know this. You've been with the ports for this would have been your 20th season in some capacity with the ports that you grew up. You're, you're a Stockton native, right? You grew up going to ports games. Is that correct? Correct. I, my first ports game when I was maybe a week or two old, I mean, I've really been, my, you know, you joked earlier that, the ports is kind of my home. It, it really kind of has been all my life, at least during the summer. I mean, I, you know, 
me and my family, we'd go to a handful of games, you know, every summer, you know, over at the old ballpark. I remember, you know, a lot of fun memories running around that ballpark. And, you know, it, it certainly wasn't as nice as, as Banner Island where the ports play now. And, you know, the crowds were smaller, but, you know, it was kind of, it was kind of a family atmosphere over there because everybody kind of knew everyone and they were the same people that went to every game. And so, you know, it was, it was fun, you know, and, you know, I, I, I never really anticipated working for the ports. I kind of just happened. I, you know, I, my senior year in high school back in 2001, me and my buddy decided to cut class and go to one of those kids day, you know, dare games. And uh, the general manager at the time, the person who was supposed to be Casey, the mascot didn't show up and, you know, big kids day, you got to have the mascot. And so she offered me and my buddy, both $50 cash each to do the mascot for half the game. And I mean, back then that was like a fortune. And so we quickly <laughs> took it and, uh, you know, 20, 20 seasons later, I'm still there. Now this was in the day, this, this was in the days when the ports were not the ports. They were the Mudville nine, correct? Um, 2001. I, yeah. They, it kind of went back and forth between the ports and Mudville nine. I think they were the Mudville nine. It's so what, what did the mascot together? Yeah, no, they, dude, I've been doing a, a story and I want to get into this with you a little bit later. Cause I'm doing a story, uh, which should be coming out soon as soon, you know, as soon as I'm, I finish it, uh, about individual season records and going back on the stats crew website and seeing all the different names that the ports have had started in 1941 as a Stockton flyers, spent a year in the seventies as the Stockton Mariners. Uh, they were the Stockton Mudville Nine in the early 80s for three years. And then for two years, I think it was 2000 and 2001, they were just the Mudville Nine. Yeah. Yeah. And when they were the Mudville Nine, it was, I believe they were the Reds affiliate then. Correct. And, uh, you know, they kind of switched back and forth quite a bit. I mean, they were with the Brewers for so long. Mm -hmm. I remember, you know, some of the guys I kind of remember when I was younger, you know, Pat Listash, uh, John Jaha was kind of some of the Brewer guys. I mean, a lot of those. Brewer ports teams when I was, you know, back in the nineties, weren't very good. Um, I mean, Ben Sheets, Ben Sheets after winning the gold medal with team USA came and was with the ports briefly. In fact, uh, the ports even did a bobblehead of him at some point. Uh, I've got, you know, my pile of bobblehead collection, but, uh, you know, they, they, uh, at the time it was, it was Casey was the, was the mascot for, for the ports. And then, uh, you know, before before my mascot days were done, they of course changed to uh, Skipper the Rat, which was a whole nother uh, tale in itself. So, what did I like what you did there? A whole other tale in itself with the rat. Uh -huh. What what did the what did the Casey mascot consist of? Are you? I mean, are, is it just you wearing uniform, or did you have the head? You know, did you have to put the head on and all that stuff. Yeah, it was basically like a a, a body that you would pull over, and then the head was separate. You know, just the right. head of the mascot suit and. Uh, you know, some of those suits back then were, you know, not the easiest to wear. Um, you know, they'd have a chin strap that you'd kind of need to snap on to kind of hold the head in place. And I didn't always wear that chin strap because it would fall down and choke you. But <laughs> that was uh, some, some fun in itself. And then it transitioned to a river rat, right? Is that right? Correct. So the ports, the ports I believe they were the, the Mudville Nine when they made the change to, to Skipper might not have been, but they, they had this big secret new mascot, which was going to be Skipper the rat. And um, 
I mean, they were going all out. I mean, they were hyping it up. They, they weren't telling anybody what it was. Um, in fact, I didn't even know, and I was the mascot. So, you know, they had this big plan. They had news crews at the, at the ballpark ready for this big reveal. They were going to fly in the mascot in a helicopter. And so I got taken by somebody in the front office to the Stockton airport uh, to, you know, to meet the helicopter, whatever. And You're dressed as the rat at this point. Well, no, I'm still in my normal clothes okay. at the airport. I didn't even know what it was still until we got to the airport. I open up the box and I see the mascot is a rat. I'm like, oh, great, it's a rat. And so I put on the rat suit. Uh, you know, the, the, the person from the front office that drove me to Stockton Airport, he goes ahead and heads back to the ballpark because, you know, he wants to be there, you know, in the, for the, when I get flown in. And so I'm sitting in the Stockton Airport, basically in, in the rat suit, waiting for a helicopter that ends up not coming. Um, it gets involved in a car chase, a car pursuit. And so I'm basically stranded at the Stockton airport in a rat suit. And uh, <laughs> that, uh, you know, one of those things you, you never expect. So they, they ended up sending a police car to get me. Um, I, I, they had me sit in the front seat of the, so I'm still full rat suit. I'm sitting in the front seat of a police car. The, the you know, the, the, rat head sitting on my lap and uh we're flying down 99 sirens blaring to try to get me back to the ballpark and uh, they, they ended up driving me on in a police car through the bullpen area that opens up they drive on behind home and out out i jumped in the rat suit for the big uh you know the big reveal of skipper the mascot how uh how was it received how was skipper received uh, i mean I think it went okay. I, I don't think, uh, I don't know if they would have chosen that costume. If, you know, if they could have gone back and had a redo, I don't know if, if Skipper the Rat would have been uh, maybe what they would have chose. But, uh, you know, if they would have asked me, if you asked me now, I, I definitely would, would say don't pick a mascot that has a tail because uh, that's just asking to get pulled by so many little kids and uh, any mascots with tails, uh, I feel for them. What do you, once a game? That, that thing would get pulled? Oh, more than. I more mean, than that? Games where, you know, you have the person that walks around with you, kind of your handler or whatever you want to talk about. And there's a couple of times where I, I told the handler, I said, you better make sure no more kids pull my tail. Or this, might not, not, uh, this might not go well. If I'm not mistaken, I think that Rat's Head is still in the uh, – back in the home radio – the home radio booth in the press box. I think I've seen it back there. It is. They 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 brought it back a couple times over the last handful of years. They uh -huh. they brought it rally rat. Um, of course, to me, it'll always be Skipper. Um, I think they kind of just saw the suit there, and somebody thought it'd be fun to go put it on and, and run around in it. And, but uh, yeah, I mean, what would be your office during the season? I'm pretty sure that you know Skipper uh, the rat is still sitting in there. We'll have some fun with Skipper. One of these. Oh. So, did your did your mascot days just consist of Casey at first, and then Skipper the Rat? Yeah, that was pretty much. It was a couple of years. It was a kind of combination of of mascot and Bat Boy, and then you know the final year of the of the old ballpark. I I did the scoreboard, but uh, mm -hmm. thankfully, you know, wearing uh, wearing a mascot suit out in the hundred degree Stockton summers, and I you know. They could pay me enough to do it, but it would be a, a lot. I mean, it, it is not a, a, a 
it was fun at the time, but definitely uh, my mascot days had passed. Hats off to Splash in, in yeah, that regard. You know, yeah. Well, and hopefully he keeps his hat on, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think the mascot suits these days are a little more cooler. They're more planned on, you know, putting ice packs in there and yeah. making sure the guys that are inside the mascot suits are uh, not overheating. But, uh, you know, the mascot days were fun. Just kind of part of my, you know, journey with the ports. I mean, I, I lost the, the head of the mascot suit more than a couple of times, not planned. Um, got to got to be beaten up by a WWF Hall of Famer and uh, which one? Bret Bret Hart. Bret Hart. Okay. So how know, did that transpire? So you know the minor leagues always have different celebrity appearances, and uh, the ports back there then had a uh, Bret Hart come and do an appearance at at a game, and him and his kid raced me in the mascot race, and so you know. The mascot starts out at second. The other, you know, the kid normally starts out at first, and somehow you you find a way to lose the race. And so, that's that's instructed. It's instructed that you lose the race. Correct. <laughs> way back, way back before my mascot days, a a mascot actually beat a kid, and the kid started crying, and that was pretty much the end of I think mascots being allowed to win, at least at the ports. But um, so him and his kid were at the game, and and they raced me, and I was out there at second base getting to taunt him and, you know, like at a championship belt and whatever. And, uh, you know, I ended up getting tripped or whatever. And he caught up to me and put, put me in his sharpshooter and, uh, you know, kicked me and his kid won the race. But, you know, not many people can say they've been put in a sharpshooter by a, a WWF Hall of Famer. That's true. How long would it have taken you to tap out? You know, the way that I took the sharpshooter, I got to talk to him afterwards and he, he was worried. He goes, I didn't hurt you with the sharpshooter, did I? And I was like, no, <laughs> because he kind of just flipped me over and I kind of, he kind of just sat out. I mean, I'm sure he could have hurt me if he really leaned into it, but yeah. the sharpshooter didn't hurt at all. But then he got up and decided to, to kick me, which he didn't try. I don't think he tried to kick me very hard, but the head of the mascot suit kind of just bends in. And so when he kicked me, the head of the, the mascot head kind of folded in into my head and that was the part that kind of hurt. But uh, afterwards, I got to meet him, and I took a picture with him and chatted for a few minutes. And, uh, you know, one of those things that you would never, I would never expect to, to have happened. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the minor league baseball lifestyle leads to unexpected things. You mentioned uh, you have a bobblehead, a Ports bobblehead collection. Are there any that stand out to you? There is so many of them. I think my favorite one is the Archie Gilbert one, just because he was such a little guy. And uh, it, the bobblehead of him has him actually like jumping up, trying to like reach over the wall to make a catch. Which is kind of funny because like in, in the bobblehead, it looks like he's like as tall as the wall and like he's such a small guy. I mean, he's, I mean, I, I don't want to under, underestimate him, but he's probably five, six, five, seven, far from somebody who would be jumping and leaping over a wall to, to, to rob a, you know, rob a home run. But I mean, there's just so many of them. I mean, you know, you've got the multiple Dallas Bradens, which are kind of cool. And Yeah. I mean, Chris Carter was so special when, when he was in Stockton. You know, it's, you know, it's a, the bobblehead of him. Oh, they, they're all just kind of – they're all just kind of fun to look at and uh, kind of remember who all has been here through Stockton over the years. I can imagine. I mean, like I said, doing that story is, has been a lot of fun. I mean, it's kind of an educational uh, – exercise for me 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, you know, you look and you see guys like Gary Sheffield or, you know, the the John Jaha you just mentioned one. Yeah, in fact, I have a I have a a John Jaha Ports jersey that's actually sitting in a closet that he wore when he played for the Ports. That uh one of the all-time long-time Ports photographers when he moved to Hawaii gave me. And you know, it, it's you know, outside of the bobbleheads, I don't really collect a whole lot. I have some I have a few things that that mean something, you know, cuz if I collected everything and anything, I would I wouldn't be able to move in my house. But um but yeah, the the bobbleheads definitely have a you know, that's something that I've enjoyed collecting over the years. I did, Anthony Aliotti told me that you know when he got to Stockton as a player, you know, seeing the ballpark at Banner Island and you know that whole experience, that's the first time he felt like you know this was professional baseball. Describe if you would the the move from Billy Hebert Field to Banner Island ballpark as an employee. I mean, it was, you felt like you were, you were moving up from, you know, from rookie league to, you know, triple A or almost even felt like major leagues on a smaller scale. I mean, it's just such night and day. I mean, the summers at Ban- at Banner on the ballpark, they're still warm, but you get that breeze off the water. It, it, it's just, even the weather, it's a lot nicer. And, you know, the, over at the old ballpark, you know, it was, I mean, a lot of aluminum grandstands. I mean, it was, you know, it, it was character, man. It, it had character, <laughs> and it was fun. I, but I mean, like, you know, the the crowds were small, and you know, it wasn't the most glamorous stadium to go to or ballpark to go to, and you know, things were falling apart. No matter, you know, you can put, you know, lipstick on a pig; it's still a pig. Not that it's, you know, it's, you know, it it really was a difference between night and day going from the old ballpark to the new ballpark. And just, you know, you know, you, you walked into that, the old ballpark and you, you knew that you were there for baseball. You, you know, you weren't going to go there to hang out mm-hmm. or, or much, you know, you really were a diehard baseball fan. Whereas I think now, even if you're not a huge baseball fan, you can still come out to banner on the ballpark and have a nice night. It's kind of a destination. Exactly. I mean, it's a nice place to go. You're like, Oh, I'm not a huge baseball fan, but you know, go hang out and have a drink or two or, or have something to eat and something's going on to watch and, you know, visit with friends. And, you know, it, it's really, you know, what else, you know, it's really a great way to, to spend a night during the summer. So with the new move to the new ballpark, you became the official score for the ports in 2005, a position you've held ever since. Uh, and I know you, you've had some fun with your, your, uh, your, your Twitter handle that's an error which is so very you want to follow paul on on social that's an error is his twitter handle which is just about perfect i'm surprised you actually got that identity uh that it wasn't taken already on twitter it's so very appropriate for an official scorer yeah i mean like i couldn't imagine having a better twitter handle i mean it, i mean this was back you know, know 2005 2000 i actually i think it was even earlier maybe 2010 i think i saw it when i but in twitter's infancy right i mean yeah it was it was the early days of twitter and frankly i didn't really even want one um you know melissa lockard who you've had on the podcast earlier she was like trying to convince me to make to make a twitter i was like she's like i'll follow you zach will follow you i was like all right fine you know like i really didn't think much of it i was like what am i gonna pick as a as a as a name 
you know, and at the time, a port, there was a Ports player that was struggling to, to field the ball cleanly, and I was just like, oh, there's another error. And so it kind of was just like, oh, that's an error. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of very appropriate. And, you know, lately I think some players kind of know who I am and know my social media and probably think all I do is give out errors and probably <laughs> they probably think that I don't give out any hits, which I promise them I, I, I do. But, uh, but, yeah, I mean, that's an error. I thought – couldn't be a more appropriate name and it's kind of it's you know couldn't certainly couldn't get a name like that right now if you're trying to make a twitter handle no chance nothing close you'd have to be like that's an error 84 oh probably more than that with an underscore and an uppercase letter yeah so what as as an official scorer i mean what what is the most stressful like situation you could be in. For example, you were the official scorer for last year's no hitter. Uh, and I, I don't remember any close calls really in that game a year ago, but what are the toughest calls for you as an official scorer? I think, I think uh, the toughest ones are on balls that are hard hit. Mm -hmm. Whether to give a hit or an error. Yeah. Because just, you know, there's so much discretion in the, you know, the saying ordinary effort. Yeah. Like, I mean, ultimately it's, should that play have been made with ordinary effort? And sometimes you have to take into consideration, you know, who the player is, you know, what's an ordinary effort play for, for one guy might not be the same for another guy or, you know, notice where he was when the play started it, you know, whether he had to go a step to his right or whether he had to go four steps to his right, which made it, you know, a little more difficult of a play. So, I mean, and there's no replay, you know, like the major league guys, you know, if you're an official scorer for the major leagues, you know, often you'll see, you know, hit, of, you know, uh, decision pending or whatever, you know, they'll watch a replay or two to kind of make up their mind on mm -hmm. whether it's a hit or an error. And, you know, I've got one, one view of it, you know, from where I'm sitting in the press box and, you know, it's, you know, a little more different on a play for a minor league guy compared to a major league guy as well. So it's, it really is tough, you know, to decide what's an ordinary effort and what's not, you know, there's a lot that goes into the, you know, quickly through your mind when you're trying to make the call. That is so interesting. It never crossed my mind that taking into account who the player is makes a difference because you got a guy like Nick Allen or a guy like Jeremy Ironman, you know, those guys are known for their, you know, their, both very good fielders, right? Whereas if you have another guy that may not be on that level, you kind of adjust. I never thought of that. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you, you know, you see a guy make, especially as the season progresses, you know, I see him play so often and you're like, I, I, I'm like, I know that's not the ultimate easiest play, but that's a play that guy should make. And, you know, if you probably ask that guy, he would say that too, you know, but if mm -hmm. that's somebody different, not necessarily a play that 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 guy should make you know you know yeah he had to go a long way but he still should have made the play you know so it's that's certainly part of you know part of it you know part of many things that go through my mind when making a scoring decision is you know the player that it is yeah so I guess in that sense ordinary effort would be different from guy to guy like there is no one there there's not a standard ordinary effort that is a one size fits all for every player. No. And, and, you know, because of that, it leads to, of course, you know, any 
questionable call in, in any way, even if it's a small question, you know, it, you know, it's going to lead to people. How come you didn't rule it the other way? You know, whether it's, you know, coach trying to get his guy a hit or a pitching coach trying to save his guy and earn run. And, you know, I've done it long enough now where I almost know the arguments that guys are going to make mm -hmm. and go back after the game with the box score. Uh, you know, you kind of, kind of learn the coaches and around the league as well. And who's going to, who's going to complain about certain stuff. And uh, you know, it's, I've done it long enough now. I kind of know what to expect. It, it's, I don't mind, you know, and I don't mind coaches disagreeing as long as they, they do it in the right way. You know, if you come at me respectfully and even if you disagree and we, we don't come up to an agreement as long as it's done, you know, in the right fashion, I don't mind. You know, ultimately I'm just trying to get the call right. It's the perfect time to purchase a new car today at Chase Chevrolet. Take advantage now of model year-end inventory reduction prices and supplier pricing on select 2019 vehicles. You can always count on Chase Chevrolet for the best prices, best service, and easiest car buying experience. And now, back to our episode. Sign of the times in the middle of our interview because of the heat outside. Uh, over 100 degrees in Stockton, I'm told. Our interview with Paul Meiskin uh, cut short or at least interrupted because of a power outage. So, uh, Paul, you're back with us, huh? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess good time for a commercial there maybe. Uh, <laughs> evidently, the power is not only off uh, for me and my whole complex, but for uh, many people miles around. So, uh, you know, what, what, what else can happen nowadays? I mean, our first real 100-degree day and uh, the power goes out. You know, it's right. just what you want. We left off, Paul, talking about uh, your scoring decisions on ordinary effort. And I was – it kind of brought to mind, you know, the no-hitter last year and official scores dilemmas when, they're, when there's no hitter going on. And I'm sure, you know, the old adage is that, you know, the first hit you want to be a clean hit. But a clean hit probably differs, right, from in the second inning for a team's first hit to the seventh, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean – I always joke in the first inning about, oh, I don't know, I don't want to end the end the no hitter with with calling out a hit. But yeah, I mean, definitely as the game progresses on, you know, you're really just hoping that there's no, you, you just want about as clean of a game as possible. I mean, I know that the game many years ago that I had to miss as the official score, and Ports had a no hitter going into the eighth ninth inning, and Zach had a official score that one. You know, the first hit was a uh, was clean. You know, it was off the wall. No doubt it's a hit, you know, and that that really is what you want. I mean, the last thing you want to do is have to make a, a tough call that takes away, a, you know, history, really. Would ordinary effort change a little bit in that, in that circumstance, do you think? You know, I would like to say no, but it absolutely does. It's I got mean, to, right? You know, so many of these calls, are, you know, you're, you can lean one way or the other, and I, I just think – you, you know, at the end, it's still, you know, you're not going to roll something in the air just to keep a no-hitter alive. But mm -hmm. you certainly, I, I would think most people, you're going to be a little more lenient on which way you uh, perhaps go. So, I, like I said, Paul, I've been, I've been doing uh, a story on some individual port seasons, and I've come across some, some, uh, some pretty special ones since Banner Island Ballpark opened. So I'm going to run four by you, and I want you to tell me, you know, which ones were the most impressive for you to be around for and if I'm missing any, okay? So we got Chris Carter in 2008, which you mentioned. 
259, 39 home runs, which is the Ports record, 104 RBIs. Miles Head in 2012, before being called up to the Texas League, he hit 382 with 18 home runs and 56 RBIs in 67 games. Matt Olson's 2014, he hit 37 home runs. And then you got Seth Brown's 2017, in which he drove in 109 runs. So do any of those stand out to you? Yeah, I mean, definitely of those four, more so than Chris Carter and Matt Olson. I mean, you always kind of wonder sometimes, you know, when big offensive numbers are put up in the California League, if the guy's a legit big-time talent or if it's more helped out by the league that it's in, a hitter-friendly league. But with both those guys, Olson and Carter, I mean, you could just tell those guys are future major leaguers. I mean, Chris Carter, I mean, he, there, there was a – you know, the, the the power performances that he would put on at times at the plate were just incredible. I mean, you always wondered with with power like that if if he would have trouble hitting for a good average at the bigger level. But, you know, Olsen, you know, there was no doubt a guy like Matt Olsen or, or Matt Chapman, you know, some of those guys, when you see them, you just, you're like, you, you just enjoy the time that they're there because, you know, you, you deal with a lot of, you know, those are the moments you, you – you know, you live for going to, to minor league games and getting a chance to see guys like that before you know they're going to be major leaguers a couple of years down the road. I can only imagine. I can't wait for, for that day uh, when I get to see some of those guys come across. It's not coming, you know, tomorrow, Paul, but hopefully it's coming in the near future. Thanks so much for, for being a part of, the, of, uh, of our show today. And uh, I can't wait to see you soon, man, because when I see you, that means we got baseball coming up. Absolutely, man. It, uh, you know, I was looking forward to this, and you know, just like the kind of the, the way things have been with sports and everything, nothing, uh, nothing is normal. And uh, you know, the power goes out between, and we keep going. And uh, you know, I keep, like you said, I can't wait to see you because that uh, that means baseball is back going. Paul, thanks again so much, man. Stay safe. Yeah. Thanks, Alex. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Portside Pod. If there are topics or interview subjects you'd like to hear on future episodes, tweet at me, at ajensen86. The Portside Pod is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other platforms, as well as at our home, anchor.fm slash stockton-ports. You can also visit the Ports website at stocktonports.com and follow the Ports on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and other social media platforms. Until next time, I'm Alex Jensen. Please stay safe, and we'll talk to you on the next episode of the Portside Pod.